A lot of us, I think, have read those books about glorious relocations to the countryside by confirmed urbanites. Many of you might still dream about it, although some might have discovered a few of the harsh realities involved. Deirdre Macken, whom you're about to meet, has sort of lived through all of it and emerged to tell the tale. Alongside the sometimes hilarious accounts of deciding to start growing wine on a rundown 100 hectare property outside Yass in New South Wales, she reflects rather deeply on city-country divides and on how already good family life can actually grow under the glare of huge change. Now, a lot of listeners will know Deirdre's writing from years at the Financial Review and now the Weekend Australian, but they won't have read her delightful Growing Grapes Might Be Fun because the book's just been released and I'm pleased she can join us now for a chat from her Cockatoo Hill property in the middle of harvest, which demanded her presence. Hello there. Hi, Geraldine. Uh, Growing Grapes Might Be Fun is the title of your book. Why the reservation? Who made the suggestion to you, by the way, in the first place, to you and your very urban husband? Well, it was after Roger and I took redundancy from the old Fairfax and my mother was terrified that we'd spend the rest of our lives playing golf. So she tried to convince us into doing something in the country. And I remember saying to her, I hate sheep. They're smelly and stupid and cattle are scary, but growing grapes might be fun. So (laughs) mum thought, right, I've got a little property. Um, Let's do it. It It was a very unglamorous bit of land. It, it it was, um, like a lot of country properties, um, it had been, not not a lot these days, but there was junk everywhere. The person who had owned it had obviously given up on trying to keep it clean. So for the first, you know, six months or even 12 months, I would arrive down here and all I'd see is junk and I just had a, a compulsion to get rid of it and to see what the landscape was like. And the landscape has turned out really pretty now that we don't have any junk on it. Yes, it was certainly a lot of junk. And you work, work, work. One of your phrases, I am an ox and oxen (laughs) keep working. I won't be dead, but meantime, I will Google to see if hard work kills people early. (laughs) (laughs) So was it, so was the land itself, like you had to plant the vines and everything, didn't you? You had to, and presumably it wasn't uh, in good shape, the land. Well, the, the the soil itself was great. We got the soil tested and they said, yes, good good soil for an orchard. And one of the local winemakers, Ken Helm, had said, oh, you look at that piece of land, That's that's got some good soil there. So we knew the soil was good. And we, we know the area of the Canberra District Wines is a good place and it's a nice hill. So we did do a bit of research, a bit of YouTube university, um, and then we plotted it out, um, especially Roger did, you know, sort of um, setting up trellises that were mostly straight and, in fact, have turned out straight and um, gathered the family together to plant it all. Yes, you had a lot of out- uh, volunteer labour, as you make the point. Yeah, well, they're out there right now. We're picking the Sangiovese today on a lovely misty morning and we've done three rows and got seven rows to go. And, you know, I thank God for the Catholic Church giving me so many brothers and sisters. <laughs> it's a big, a big Mac and family. Look, I think you've come to love it mostly, but you're not moving to the country, are you? So are you really living two lives? Is that the draw card, I wonder? I, I think I am. Um, and I don't mind that. I, at, at some stage, I thought, I'll have to make up my mind. Am I going to live in the country or going to live in the city? But I really still love my city life. 
and I love arriving down here. So I think I've got the best of both worlds. While we can still commute, and a vineyard is is quite dormant in winter, so you spend a lot of time down here in summer, but not in winter. Um, and I was I've been really torn, and it it might get to me one day, but I'm really enjoying two lives. Yes, that was the impression I got. To be honest, I mean your observations are often very funny and wry, but you're both sentimental and clear-eyed about the differences in country and city folk. Now, tell us some of your thoughts, please, because that's really quite a quite a theme of the book. Yeah, it's it's taken me a while to to tweak it out because I always thought. Country Australian, City Australian, same, same. But it's in all the subtle sort of social cues and ways of got of doing things and relationships. And to me, the, the country seems a little bit like what Australia was like probably 40, 50 years ago. You know, there's they, they get out and do stuff. They're not too fussed with um, with safety, I shouldn't say that, but they they will do stuff to get it done. They're multi multi skilled. Um, they rely on each other. They know who in the neighbourhood is not worth trusting and who is. And once you once you penetrate that network, which I was able to do because my mother had been down here for so long, you you find that you can get people to come. You can get the plumber um, out on a Saturday morning when you've got you know water falling from the ceiling. Um, but until you sort of break into those networks, it's a little bit politely closed to newcomers. Which you don't think necessarily benefits the country. I mean, that was one of the things that you said, ultimately, you think the country benefits from the arrival of young disruptors from the city. You, know, you said that out loud, uh, which, yeah. you know, that mightn't have necessarily endeared you to some of those country people. How have they reacted? Oh, I think everyone sees it because they see what happens. There is a bit of a movement amongst younger people, especially young families, to the country, and they bring um, lots of different. They bring great coffee. They bring great bakeries, but they bring different um, agricultural enterprises. They bring ideas like regenerative farming, and I think the smarter, older farmers look at it and go, "Oh, that's really interesting. I'm I'm glad they're here." They're, that stereotype, which I had in the back of my mind of, you know, the 60-year-old, you know, craggy farmer with the dud knee and mm. the attitude of, you know, get back to the city, love, um, that's that's dying out. And I think the country's really having They don't a, resent you? Uh, they, they don't tell me. <laughs> but <laughs> occasionally you don't, get, you don't get served if you're in a hardware shop and there are other blokes in there and I'm sitting there waiting that waiting to be served but I, I don't notice it that much and you choose the people in the end who are good to work with we've had a couple of tradies in the early years who are a bit dismissive and a bit um shoddy with the job but the people we've got around us now are, are just terrific and male female differences were definitely there too yeah it's a very male place, the country. I, you know, the number of times I've walked outside and seen the blokes standing beside a ute having a chat and I'll go over and say hi um, and they'll go, oh, yeah, i got to go now. <laughs> um, but I think, I think that's really good that, you know, blokes get together and talk about, they don't talk about being blokes, they talk about um, doing blokey stuff. Mm. Um, but it's an expression of masculinity, I think, in the country. You know, you've got big machines, you've got big hordes of, animals, you've got very physical work, you've got big problems to solve, you've got no one to tell you really how to do it or how you should be doing it or 
um, reporting to HR, all those restrictions, I think, would be anathema to a lot of the blokes in the country. So I, I do think of it still as um, a male domain. What grapes did you grow, by the way, and how they how are they going? Oh, they're very good and they're very well priced. <laughs> we don't <laughs> advertise on the ABC. <laughs> We've got Sangiovese, Shiraz and Riesling and every year is a different challenge. We've got a lot of European wasps down there on the Shiraz which are slow ripening. So um, in the next couple of days we'll determine whether we can actually pick them. But um, they're, you know, grapes that are grown around this area and the Sangiovese is an Italian style which suits our hot and usually dry continent. So just the three of them. Excellent. And look, what I must say I relished was the love on display throughout the book, both for your feisty mother, Anne, and for your husband, Roger. I think it's really deepened your relationship, even though you've been through a lot together. Is that a yield you expected, honestly? No, it was a a surprise. I was a bit afraid because I've always thought that if you go into business with your husband or an enterprise with your husband, it could be disastrous. You know, you could just clash all along the way. But um, probably because Roger's such a nice bloke and I try not to be too bossy with him, um, it's it's worked out really well. He he has his domain and skills and I have mine and I tell him not to do dicey stuff every so often, but occasionally he'll do it anyway. So, um, yeah, it's, it's different expressions for of, of ourselves and with ourselves, if you know what I mean, in our relationship. So it's been really eye-opening. And my mum is a, just a, a treasure at 92. She's still farming away and contributing and, um, yeah, I'm full yes. of admiration for my mum. She's, I know you are. I can see, I can tell. Well, look, thank you very much indeed for taking time out of the harvest. Get back there, be a good ox, and <laughs> uh, um, congratulations on the book. Thank you, Geraldine. Thanks so much. And that's Growing Grapes Might Be Fun by Deirdre Mack and it's published by Alan and Unwin. And uh, just a quick reference to um, the music show later today. Keep an ear out for the Mercury Prize-nominated jazz pianist Kit Downs who gives Robbie a little insight into his magpie-like creative process. Uh, and perform some improvisations as well. Thank you to the team, Belinda Summer, Isabel Summerson, Sarah Aleli and Jessica Kay, and also Anne-Marie de Betancourt today. And hello now to Jonathan Green with Blueprint for Living. Bye-bye.